1: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk to you about Rotoballer.com. If you guys know me by now, you've listened long enough, you know I have my written content for DFS and other season-long fantasy products over at Rotoballer.com. If you're still grinding along in the NFL streets, season-long playoffs, DFS for the NFL – don't wait any longer. Go to rotoballer.com, get the NFL premium pass. Are you ready to dominate your season long in DFS leagues? Rotoballer's NFL premium pass includes lineup tools, projections, and DFS cheat sheets for all formats. Get access to exclusive articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chat rooms. I do the weekly DFS cash game values, even the, and then this Saturday even, doing some uh, extra previews for the, the week's DFS slates. Come check all that out and join in on the winning and take – off any premium pass not just football if you want basketball baseball's coming up all that good stuff. 50% off any premium pass. Use my my promo code Bubba B U B B A for another 10% off. So you get 60% off a premium pass. It's that simple. So get in, get ready, finish the NFL season in a strong, strong way with rotoballer.com, NFL Premium Pass. Already at 50% off now. Use promo code Bubba B U B B A for another 10% off when you purchase. Just visit rotoballer.com backslash radio. Sign up today and start rotoballing like a boss. Back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode four twenty seven. Going to talk some more NFBC, some more just fantasy baseball drafting in general to get you ready for the twenty twenty two season that will be on us before you know it. In order to do this, I have a special guest joining me on the show. You can uh, find his podcast, the Draft Champions Podcast, with lots of awesome guests and Mike the Mouth. And you can also (laughs) um, check out his work on Twitter at Miles Straw MVP because it might be one of the greatest uses of um, of just anything I've ever seen, the Miles Straw video. But uh, his name is Zach Waxman. Zach, how we doing, man?
2: What's up, Bubba? Thanks for having me.
1: No problem. Thanks for joining me. Um, how long did it take you to come up with the idea to go get a cameo with, uh, with the Miles Straw? Because that is freaking amazing.
2: It Not long at all. This, it sort of just dawned on me at... A, at, a, at, a, at a, like one day, and I just said, I got to do this. And it's like, why not? because I'm like, does he does he have miles? Like, I actually went on his profile and he, and it linked to his cameo. So I'm like, oh, That's this awesome. is um, this is perfect. Let's just do it. And then I thought it was like 35 bucks. I'm like, easy done. Yeah.
1: It's it's fun because in the the battle of the pods DM that we're all a part of, it's now opened up a rabbit hole where Justin Mason's buying his own. <laughs> uh, Cedric Mullins wants to tell himself he's great and. It's going to be interesting to watch as we're all bored with the lockout and just drafting like crazy. There's going to be a lot of goofy stuff coming on, but you were the originator awesome. of that. It's freaking it's so funny. It's so funny. Um, why don't you everybody know about uh, your podcast and everything, though, before we get rocking and rolling, talking drafts? Podcast
2: is just uh, really just NFBC-focused, just uh, talking about um... – what I'm trying to do this year is um, like, of course, getting great guests, but um, talking, it's more sort of like a teach a man to fish podcast, rather than going into specific player analysis, a lot of, I'm trying to focus a lot on strategy and just asking questions that I really am interested in rather than just like going through the motions. And I really, I really want to, if I'm learning, I figure out, I figure everyone else is learning. So that's really what I want. And like when I first started it, I honestly didn't really know what I wanted to do with it, but it's like, do I now I'm really, I was like, people think like I'm, I'm in an industry. I'm not really, I'm just a player. Like I don't want to really like do the same things a lot of other people with podcasts do, but I do, but I think it's, it's, it's been good because I've been learning and I've also made like a lot of good, good friends like by doing it. So that's, that's what I enjoy about it. Really,
1: That's that's a good point. That's why I laugh a lot of the times I tell people I have guests on and I sit here and take notes on the side because I'm trying to learn from I, w- I wouldn't have somebody on here if I didn't think they were worth learning from, let's put it that way. So I think exactly. it's, it's a good, it's a good point. Like we should all gain something. And I think that's one of the best things. And you can ask like the best players out there, the Vlad's of the world, the, the, the do and everybody that, if they're not learning from everybody else they're playing with, they're probably not going to ever get much better. So there, there's a lot to be. And I have, I have a question for you on that as we get going. So I think it's, there's a lot to be garnered from that for sure. Um, the we're going to start off, we're going to kind of bounce around all over the place. But uh, for those that don't know Zach, Zach, uh, we've had John Fish on the show. These two like to battle it out, I think, for most drafts in a draft season from time to time. How many were you in last
2: year? I was in on the NFBC around 60 okay. and then probably like 75 if you add in everything.
1: Yeah, man, that's crazy. But how many like um, how many fab leagues did you say? Because I know you did a lot of DCs and stuff. How many fab leagues did you have?
2: I was in 13 fat leagues. Okay. It's funny you mentioned wow. fish. I was talking to him yesterday and like, it's like we've almost become synonymous Or like, if you mention one, you can't mention the other. It's kind of like bad.
1: <laughs> it's bad in a good way. Like you guys are something yeah, know, else. It, it, it's fun. That's why I was asking Zach right before we started. I said, so how many, because he said he might be on the clock during the, the show. And I'm like, well, the way you draft, I wouldn't be surprised. And I asked him, I said, how many you in? He said four. I'm like, Really? Like I expected, so much more. But I guess if you start in November, it adds up pretty pretty quick.
2: I was guessing. Um, I'm. At, I was guessing when you asked me. I'm not. I'm actually looking. Like, you know, on in seven.
1: Okay, that makes much more sense now. Seven so <laughs> makes a lot more sense. So two, of um, tra- two of them are on fan.
2: Two of them on fan tracks. So gotcha.
1: A little different. A yeah. little different for sure. How do you juggle that much? Because I know some people like to do like one draft at a time, so they can kind of focus. Some guys do a handful. Like you, I have like three going right now. So. How do you um, juggle all these different ones going on at once to make sure you kind of don't cross over things?
2: That's a good question. It's it's challenging. You just got you got to like they slow drafts, so um, sometimes you just got to take your time and regroup and 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 um, and uh, look at your tracking sheet on each draft and make sure that you're not really um, mixing anything up. Because yeah, there's sometimes where I'm like, didn't that guy go already? Like, how did I miss that guy? Like, I thought he was drafted. I'm like, oh, it was the other draft.
1: Yep. I, I'm guilty of that. I, I took a third first baseman recently. I'm like, huh, well, I needed, I needed the power so I could justify these things, but it's always like, I got a, you got a million things going on and, um, it won't kill your draft, but there's obviously things you're it's missing It's definitely challenging
2: yeah. during and afterwards. Um, uh, if I did less drafts, I'd probably do better on average, but they're just so much fun. Drafting is yeah. the best part.
1: And they're a great learning tool. And that's why I kind of wanted to talk to you about it because people talk about you doing mock drafts, but the development of these, like even the NFC 50s, if you just want a cheaper price scale, or if you, you know, if you, if you are a fan of fan tracks, you can get cheap ones there, just to have a little skin in the game, just to make kind of honesty to the situation. Um, what do you try to like learn from like the start of draft season towards maybe March when you're really getting into the big money stuff to, to really, what are you trying to gain in learning to be ready for the big dance basically?
2: Just how, how your draft flows from different spots is one of the things um another thing is really um, scouting your opponents because a lot of the people you're drafting with now are the people you're going to be drafting with in March especially the, the NFBC like community it's like a lot there's a lot of overlap and it's very like incestuous I, I guess is is a way to, to put it um like fuck like just for example uh Richard Zito has been in like six of my drafts so I know exactly what players you want um, I'll get into that a bit later but there's that and um um also just like I've talked about this before like abd always be drafting
1: yeah.
2: um like you can see the adp on the um on the nfbc site but that doesn't take the whole picture you can like you you know that this player if the player has like a 250 adp it's like ah i've been in like the last six drafts i know that number is not 250 that number is really like 220 in reality so if you want that player you're gonna have to take him at this place. And I've, I know this particular player likes this player. So I'm gonna have to take him maybe even earlier, or maybe I'm gonna have to build my draft plan without that player that I like because he's just gonna be taken at such a ridiculous cost.
1: No, I like that a lot because I just did that in the DC I'm in with you, I believe. Um I was noticed I, it's totally a different draft than I've done so far this year, the way I, I, I've approached it. I don't not like it, but I'm it's a lot more challenging to me than what I've what my normal structure is. That's kind of the fun of doing these early drafts to kind of find your area of what you want to do come draft day. But, um, like I went in, Jaron Duran's a guy I'm torn on, and we don't have to go down a big player profile on Jaron Duran. But, like, he's got the power speed combo. We've seen the minors, it didn't really pan out last year, should still play with the Red Sox this year. There's question marks there. Um, and I was looking at him, he's gone as high as like 250 ish or something, as low as like four something. His ADP is like 330. So it's like mm-hmm. you said he's going higher than that adp shows on that chart more often than not if you want to get him so it's already it's only December and guys are already jumping or January guys are jumping yeah. up the ADP. yeah this
2: draft's been like the last we did it we did one we just finished one and that was a really challenging one I found near the end and this one's uh, this one's been a little a little bit more um uh, i guess like unorthodox like like around the like rounds fifteen through like eighteen where we are right now like yeah. players that I've been looking at i i'm I'm struggling filling out my um my starters right now and figure out what to do. Whereas the other draft we were doing, it was sort of like all the late end guys or the, the the late guys were getting jumped up a lot, which might happen again.
1: Yeah. That that's been my problem. Exactly. This draft is I'm having issues just getting like my starting roster compared to what I've been able to do in other drafts. It's, It's been a weird, weird dynamic, but we'll get to that in a bit here last season you, know, you, you drafted a handful of drafts. I know you won the, uh, an overall competition. You'd done very well. I won't, I won't forget about that by the way. Um, <laughs> Thank and you. Um, you did very well. So why don't you just like let everybody know, because there's one thing to say, Yeah, hey, I'm going to go draft like 70 leagues, but you know, there's also a thing to say, yeah, I did pretty good too. Like how, how did things go overall for you?
2: They did. They did well. Like I, obviously that winning that overall is, um, is like um, sort of like uh, something that I'm proud of. And, um, the year before that, I, I didn't win money in the NFBC and, I, and I'm and i learning and I'm, I'm getting better. But um, draft champions are one thing that I'm focusing on a lot. Uh, I did not do well in the draft champions leagues just for if we're going to go over what I did, how I did last year. I did 16 DCs. I'll show off my email here, if you can hear that. But I did 16 DCs and um, only cashed in a couple of them. And um, that was that was my that was my um, that was my biggest, uh, I guess, weakness last year is are the DCs did a couple of best balls um, as well. Same idea. Um, but um, like the Battle of the Pods with the DC, I got third. You you finished second in that one, and I got third. So that was good. Uh, the Palazzo one that McGovier did, I also finished third in that league. So those are two DCs that I did okay in. The, the Tag Team League um, that we did with all, the, all, our, all our friends, we, me and Curling got first place on that one. TGFBI, I think you were in my league. I, yep. I won that one. And then, uh, yeah. I did four OCs last year. Um, I'll probably do more this year and I won two of them and I got second in the other one. So that was good. My mains, I got fourth and sixth, So I did two mains and I, I I got fourth and sixth place. So that's not good, but that was sort of offset with winning the overall in terms of money. And then, um, did seven DC auctions. I I won two of them. So that was profitable. I did 12 NFBC fifties and I got cash in four of them, two first, two second. um, So that was profitable. And Yahoo Fantrax was, was was okay there. So basically, like second full year in NFBC, doing that many leagues. I'm saying if I'm in the black and not in the red, I'm saying I'm happy, and I was. So like I, would, I didn't I didn't make out like a bandit, but I profited overall. So I'm happy.
1: Yeah, I feel you. that's how I was last year. I didn't do that many leagues, but I made out well. I got a ticket into the OC on a qualifier. Like I ain't crushed the competition, but I finished in the black, as you said. So now we build on to the next year um you a couple things you mentioned there uh, you did you won two dc auctions you won that overall auction that you did do you find that uh, i'm guessing that you like doing auctions more than drafts and if so what what's what's your reasoning behind that
2: yeah no I, I do i do enjoy the auctions better and i do and i think i perform better in the auctions um just because you can you, you can have a more solid plan going into this into the drafting i know what i need to do whereas in a snake draft you can Your plans can get really changed very drastically, and you have to adapt on the fly. Whereas the auction, even if you like, like part of your plan gets foiled, where like one player ends up going for way more than than uh, he he does, you can have that. You have it's easy to back up that plan, and just basically. During an auction, you can sort of have the numbers in your head uh, just by doing a lot of them, saying like knowing what players went for this draft versus other drafts. So you can sort of keep a tally, sort of like counting blackjack in your head. Like, am I, are the, is my, is the deck stacked in my favor in terms of value going forward because other people have blown the money or am I going to have to sort of play catch up? Uh, And then it's just sort of like having the mental math in your head. And I, I find that I'm able to do that and just capitalize on some of the values in the auctions i hope it,
1: it's something that's not talked about enough i don't think because auction is not a talked about enough uh topic because it's not as, as i guess popular might not be the right word but it's not out there as much as just doing snake drafts but it's so true you can go into a snake draft with a strategy and it's out the window in the second or third round where your strategy in an auction like you said is you can script it out pretty well and every once in a while it can be different but you can go in saying, hey, I want to spend X amount of money on these. Like, I want three of these four players or something. And you can get, like, by two of them at least. Like you can, you can make things work. You can have a great end game where, hey, these are the dollar guys I really want. I know if I get these guys, it'll help me pay for these guys and so on and so forth, where you can't really do it. Like, in a snake draft you might only get Fernando Tatis Jr. per se, but in an auction you can get, say, Tatis and Harper. Or you can, you can. there's so many things you can do together because you can be willing to spend. So it's definitely a different way to do it, and I can see the appeal to that. If you And obviously doing these just DC snake drafts you're doing helps you learn the player pool that'll get you ready for the auction to know, hey, I can go spend on X, Y, and Z to make things work, uh, to calculate that out. Um, something else you mentioned, you said you might do more OCs this year. Are you becoming more of a fan of 12s versus 15s or what's the reasoning behind doing more OCs? Because personally, I like 12s over 15s. I've talked about it recently with certain guys, but a lot of people love 15s over
2: 12s. So what's your feeling on it? I've just noticed that it suits my style better. So um, like I said, the DCs are something that I struggle with. And it's it's and I'm I'm learning what I did wrong. So like I took too many chances and I didn't um and I didn't fill out the back end of my roster with enough. Um, you really want guys that have the potential to be good rather than the potential to play. Like, like Meaning that like you want guys like Trevor Rogers and Logan Webb who are going to be up and have that potential to step up rather than taking guys like Jordan Balazovic, Corey Abbott that might not even be up but maybe have the higher upside. I think that's what it's about. I think I need to fill out the back end of my roster more with the Trevor Rogers, easier said than done. And then also just taking less chances like the Jared clinics or this year, Julio Rodriguez, these DCs, it's not really the, the thing for that because maybe you can stomach one, uh, but not many of those blows because like, we'll get into it. Like every one of these roster spots and your starting roster spots for these DCs are so precious in these 15s. And I've noticed that like I did better in the, in the fab leagues um, than I did in these, like no um, move leagues because I was able to correct those um, sort of chances I took. So that's something that I'm really trying to change my approach with in, in the DCs this year. And um, yeah, the other thing with the DCs is the saves. Saves is a big thing that we I think you're going to ask about.
1: Yes. Yes. We'll get into that because that is a hot topic every single day that you log into Twitter is why are you paying for saves? Well, it's called the structure of the league you're in. That's the best way I can put it for you folks. You yeah, a to redraft full- <laughs> In a redraft format yeah not going to push them up as you might but you're probably not like you could you could make things work there or in this format um phil pointed it out beautifully like he only drafted i think two main closers and didn't get a lot late but they stayed healthy and they racked them up because and we'll talk about it you you mentioned later the eighth percentile numbers in a dc they're much lower than in a fab league because of the differences like that so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of structure stuff and you got some good stuff we're going to probably talk about later to get to that so we'll, we'll pass on that for now but there's format 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 like it's so so important it sounds silly but it's so so different um you mentioned you, you learned like the saves and, and whatnot and, and to be quote safer is not the right word but uh get the, the more consistent positive player than the flashy player that that's a very confident thing is there anything you learned maybe like certain positions you wanted to overload on because like rob di pietro he won an overall uh, in in the 2020 and he talked about, like, people forget about outfield because you got to start five of them. And I think it's shallow, quick, um, starting pitchers that, that Phil loads up on. Is there something you learned positionally that you want to do differently this year?
2: Well, I think it changes every year to year. So um, I think you, you learn to look at it and you learn to, like people, people say, drop backwards, see what positions are scarce. I think it's both the corners this year that, are, that you have to be careful with. I think people have beat that to death. And I I agree with it. Um, I think just in, ge- I think I've said this before. I think in general this year, hitting has become right, at least as it stands right now with what we know, um, hitting has become more scarce than it was last year. So people say, Oh, outfield's so scarce in it, um, compared to last year. I was able to get my outfielders, a lot of outfielders that I liked after pick 250 last year. Um, it's just because of the lack of information, like McCutchen hasn't signed anywhere, et cetera. I think in general right now, just all hitting is scarce. So I think that, um, uh, you might – I think it might make sense to, like, really hammer – like, you need your pitching, and I think you need to get at least, like I – l- I like to have at least three starters and one – at least three starters and at least one reliever before round nine for pitching still. But I think, like, after you hit that mark, you really just got to hammer the bats, especially in these DCs, because um, even more so than last year.
1: Yeah, it's true, because one thing we've harped on a lot is – you know, in years past, it was kind of like the top 20 pitchers and it fell off a cliff, give or take a rough number. This year, it just seems so deep. Like, you might not have the elite – the elite guys might be like 8 to 10 of them, but then it's just – you can find guys for a lot of rounds, like here and there. And then, like, a pocket will leave and you'll be going through the ADP or whatever as you're, like, setting your queue. And all of a sudden, there's another pocket of, like, seven guys. You're like, oh, I take any one of them. Like, no problem. And you just kind of go through the motion, like you're saying, pitching-wise, where, yeah, it's um saves and and bats, man. You get past Brown – 30 35 and the bats get scarce like disgustingly scarce because you were talking about getting consistency like plate appearances guys that are going to play and get you a good production and it's harder and harder to find so i think it's a great strategy and that's why the one we're in right now i feel a little weird because i took more pitching early than i usually do because i've been trying like the first one i did with you was like okay i got get like one or two good starters a closer or two but it's just all bats and it's been a little different this last go around and it's been a much more um, uneasy feeling going through the draft. Not that Mm -hmm. it won't work. You never know, but it's just like definitely a thing. Have you seen your strategy change? Are you trying different strategies in your drafts? What are you doing in that regard?
2: Yeah. I'm I'm trying. I think it depends on um, where I'm at in the draft where I'm drafting from, but um, yeah, I've gotten pocket aces, but I've also taken three straight batters before. It depends. It's really KDS um dependent on what i'm trying to do um, uh, but because i'm drafting so many right um, you really want to change you don't really you really want to diversify and um, i think that's one of your questions later about like what like how drafting a lot of drafts can help you um, um, i think that it helps in that um you just like taking the best player that you're playing you're taking the best player available not reaching on players
1: Okay. Yeah, no, it's um, best player available. That's, well, that's a whole other hot topic on uh, fantasy football Twitter these days. But um, it, it, there is a lot to be said about that. Especially early in drafts, you can kind of you know, take the best thing, but you can also look at positional uh, scarcity and whatever you think. Um, you mentioned corner infield as a scarce position, so I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting with that. But one of the last things I want to talk about from just like last season and maybe going into this season – how many are you how many drafts are you trying to do or how
2: many drafts is too many drafts i should say probably too many drafts already <laughs> i think i'm done i think i'm done drafting that's it um, no one
1: believes you no one believes <laughs> you at all
2: <laughs> yeah like i said i said 20 i said no i said two dc's a month so this is the, the six months that, leading so, yeah. yeah i'm past that already um it's just uh, too difficult. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking 20 DCs cap it. I'll probably – the DCs will probably we're, like wean down, and then I'll get into some OCs. I've already done two OCs as well. Um, wow. Yeah. So I'm thinking six OCs, tw- 20 DCs, bunch of 50s, um, and then best balls don't count because you don't manage them. Do.
1: What about how many mains you plan on doing? One or two tops.
2: Like one – like I'm pro- I am I said to myself I'm going to do one, and then um, my buddy Graham, um, shrimp Boat captain – Uh, we we might, we might do one together. Um, So we might, might, I'll probably do one and a half.
1: Now, so you teamed up with Curlin. So that's like a whole task in itself. So it's hard to ask the right question here, but you're going to team up (laughs) with Graham, like you said. Um, How do you like, having a partner because i've heard so many mixed stories on it like i know my personality it's hard for me to like concede when i'm stuck on something but some people work phenomenally with it and i could and i, I see the approach also where it's like hey it's another sounding board that they might see something i don't see and that's a big thing too so how do you feel going with a partner like how do you how do you approach your type thing
2: well it was really easy after Curlin quit
1: yeah, I talked. About, that's why I was kind of like hinting around, and I'm like, I remember, I remember in the chat, it was just like, yeah, he kind of took over the team.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was easy once he was quit. So, but before that, it was yeah, we had to deal with him. So it was tough. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. During the draft, we had we had a good plan, and like, um, um, we we mapped out. Um, we, we didn't go. We didn't go for. We, didn't, we ended up winning the league, but we didn't go far enough in our plan in terms of what we um, in, in terms of like what happened like what we wanted to do, like in the mid rounds. And then we underestimated how difficult it is to draft with someone in the mid round. So then we ended up just going like, okay, you want this guy? I want this guy. Okay. You pick this time. I'll pick next time. And then basically we had to fab our way out of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I could see that'd be interesting because you had two different strategies going into it. It's like, well, shit. <laughs> now we now we got a problem. We got we got to fix. But uh, yeah, no, that's good. You Kerlin, he knows he'll listen that we're all messing around with him, so it's all fun and games. He but knows, um, he knows we're busting his balls. So oh, yes, he definitely does. He texts a million times a day, and that's all he do is bust his balls. So it's lots of fun. But um, let's talk about some of the the DC stuff you've learned so far since you've uh, you've been active in them. I've had two with you already. It's been fun. Um, and I'm going to jump around the topics here, but just as they come to my mind, something you mentioned earlier is drafting with so many guys like Zito's in the drafts. Um, I'm not going to mention the name because some people get very nervous about releasing names. But like you right. went into my DM one day and said, "Hey, this guy's going to take this player," and I'm like, "How do you know this?" And you're like, "I'm in like six other drafts with them. This is what you guys <laughs> are you taking notes, or is this just like you've you've like paid attention to it enough you just know off the top of your head? What are you doing? Like, do you have get like, a log
2: of like this is what guys do?" I've a log yes um, okay, and this is this is you know, I just started it I didn't do it last year so this year I've been in, I've, done, I've completed I've a log on you but actually I oh. I I've, I've, I've done homework on you
1: that
2: so I'll I'll go into the, the draft and I'll go into the draft results and I'll put it into Excel and I basically made a formula that basically takes the draft results and drags it into like a, a column by column format where you just have to input the names and then what I've done is I then I have a log of who's been in each draft. So if I go in, so now we, we're doing a draft together, I pull up and I'm like, okay, who's in this draft? Ray Murphy's in this draft. Yeah. Tommy's in this draft. I've been in these draft. I've been in drafts with these guys before. So then I go back and I look at their previous drafts and I like then I then I um, have them column by column like, okay, this guy really likes this player here. So for example, in this draft, I'm trying I'm trying not to um, um, we'll mention names and not players. There you go. So, So like, I won't give away any of the players, but we can mention the name. So for example, Ray Murphy's in our draft and he's, and I'm picking third, he's picking first. So I know what he's done in the prior draft. So in the second round, I knew that I wanted to take, I I knew that I wanted a a hitter and a closer, but I figured that like maybe this hitter probably lasts, but I know that it's not going to last here because I know, I know given what he did last time, I know, Easily, he reached on two guys last time, so I know he's gonna reach on them again, probably, unless he's trying to diversify, which is what I don't know. But so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take this guy way earlier than I normally would have because I know he's gonna be gone on this turn. So I did that, and then I'm just hoping one of my close like I wanted a closer, I'm hoping a closer returns to me, which he did. So basically, I did what I wanted to do, but it was out of order, and that just okay. is a result of me. Taking you notes. Know, maybe I'm over maybe I'm over analyzing this, but I but like example Zito, I have like six different drafts on him. So like I don't know, maybe maybe he's adapted over time, but um, I know basically the players that like he's taking the same player the fifty like he's taking the same player in round fifty every time. So if I want that player, I'm gonna take him in round forty eight.
1: And see, that's smart. it's it it's not over analyzing to me. Some people might think it is, but if you have a formula or a tool like you do, it makes total sense. And Ray Murphy posted his early round, so I'll mention it. Um, this isn't what I was talking about earlier. I was talking about a different player, but you on Murphy, you also sent me a message goes, I guarantee you you take Sandy Alcantara and he posted, he posted, he took him right there and around, just like he did. You're like, I know he's going to take him and boom, he took him. And there's something to be said about that, especially when you're close to the turn, like you are there, because it'll it'll help, you know, who you can take now and hopefully take later. So you're not, you can play that game, which helps a lot. I totally have no problem with that at all. Um, and you got a book on certain guys. Like everyone's going to have a book on me. You can take, you know, he's going he's gonna to try to take like these four guys almost every draft or whatever, something along those lines. Problem is I'm in the same draft spot more often than not right now, so it's kind of tough <laughs> to say who I'd really take. Um, but it, like when you're in the middle of the draft, like, you've done so many drafts. When you're in the front, it's usually the kind of a similar player pool you're coming out of at the back, so on and so forth. So you kind of have this this window of players for the most part you're going out of. Um, you mentioned KDS earlier. What uh, what have you found you like so far? Because I kind of want to be on one of the ends for the most part. I had the middles, I haven't been a huge fan of the middle so far.
2: So yeah, KDS. Yes, I um, I definitely like the. It might sound obvious, but I definitely like being in the um at the front of the draft because you get those. You get. Like, I think there's just those six really good players. Those six really really good 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 hitters. Um, so I think. Three is ideal for me because if I'm if I'm, if I'm third, I'm getting one of um, um, one of I'm like idea. there's there's Trey, Tatis, J Ram, and like I'll even include Bouchette there. Um th- like in sometimes people th- like three, you're not risking anything. Even four, you're hoping like I'm fine with four because or even five because sometimes Vlad and Soto fall into there and uh, you can get one of those players. So like top five, your goal, then I don't leave really it. I'd rather be, I'd almost rather be closer to five than one because you get the better player in the second round. Um, and you're not as close to the ends where you you lose on runs. Um, um, definitely want to be in the top eight or nine. Like, I don't want to put any like later picks before eight or nine, but, um, I'll sometimes jumble up. I'll sometimes, uh, like, I think 12 is really bad. Like, because you're not like you're, you're getting, you're, you're going to be out of that range for the first round, but you're also going to miss out on like, maybe like a Kuna falling to you in the second round. Um, I think that's really bad um but 15 is for sure the worst and four four reasons why 15 is the worst like by far some people want the turn but I'll tell you 15 is like worse than any spot because one you have to reach like at least when you're on pick number one when when you're when you're in these DCs you, you get a good player 15, you're not really getting one of those elite players plus you're gonna have to reach on your players um throughout the draft and you also don't get any values so say you're drafting in round eight and there's a player that's dropping way past his ADP Every single player will have a chance of that player before you do at fifteen. So, like, if you're drafting from the if you're drafting from the thirteen spot instead of the fifteen spot, at least you have the chance to pounce on that player dropping before the two guys behind you. And if you're if you're in the fifteen spot and you have like a really good player in front of you picking from fourteen and a player dropping, you're like, ah, I'm screwed. I'm not getting this guy. Um, another thing is like, um, I feel it's like a there's a tear break in the middle of that second round. So what you gain in picking earlier in the second round isn't really what you might lose by picking like a worse spot like 15 versus 13 i don't think it really matters that much it only matters when you get to like eight or nine and then also like i was saying why i don't want 15 is because i got a book on the players so if i'm drafting from like 13 or 3 i likely know the tendencies of a lot of the drafters by now and i can go back to my reference encyclopedia of drafters and like look at see who might who they might take and so it so it'll give me a little bit of an advantage there and then even if I haven't played with them, you can see what positions they've taken. So you might have a slight advantage knowing, OK, this guy's already filled up all his corners so I can wait on on corners. So there's really no incentive for me to, to pick at, right at the corner.
1: I like that. That's fun because in years past, I loved the back end. I loved it. I thought it was fun Go get two pitchers or go do this or that. But I'm with you. It's like and you said it sounds like it's so easy, but. When people start drafting, they'll understand because I'm 100 percent with you. Like I want one of the top four or five picks easily, like because mm. I feel so much better getting one of those guys, the five to the five category guys. I can just be like, okay, we're good, let's go. Because the farther back you get, like there's the Kyle Tucker's. If you believe um, Acuna is actually moving up these days, which is interesting, but it's like Vlad's fun, but you got to imagine some regression. He doesn't steal bags, like he's still gonna be good, but is he pick six good? Maybe mm-hmm. um, the hard one. It's like you Have Bryce Harper, who I think is a great ball player, really good ball player. He he checks the boxes, as they say, but is it's it's never feels good taking him in the first round. It just never does. But good ball players, a handful of guys like that. Or it's like, okay, well, all these hitters are gone. Let's take you know Garrett Cole or Corbin Burns. Let's just do it. It's it's such a weird dynamic compared to um, that top bat where you still feel so comfortable. And more importantly, when it comes back to like that two, three turn, because you mentioned that tear drop off. That 2-3 turn feels so much better than that 3-4 turn in oh, the yeah. back end. Like oh, so much better. Like you walk away from those first three picks going, I can win with this team. Where once you've gone through round four of the back end, you're just like, we're still going to have to do some work. Or I'm reaching again, like you said. Like I feel so bad about my first two picks, I'm reaching for these other two picks. It's It's a weird dynamic this year compared to years past and not saying people can't win from the back end. I think you did some research actually on where position, didn't you do research on where draft picks won from, or is that someone else that did
2: that? I did it um, based on when you drafted in terms of time. like Oh, time, time
1: of, of year. year. Yeah. Of year. Okay. what Real quick, if, if you can remember, if, if not, don't worry about it. What did you learn from that? Because for the most part, it seemed like it didn't matter what time of year you drafted from.
2: I learned nothing. It, it, it was inconclusive. There was no correlation between winning your league and drafting early or, or actually finishing well on the overall is what we're looking at. There's no okay. correlation. I think it was a trade-off between um, just between two things. So one is um, you're drafting players that eventually got injured or maybe out for the season, like um, Verlander in years past, that, that was last year. But um, players just like losing their jobs, going to Japan, whatever, things just like you'll, you'll have more, there's more hindsight when you when you're drafting early, not hindsight. But you, you just have more information um, when you're drafting later. Um, but also, um, the flip side of that is why people will do better earlier is because there's enormous values like Trevor Rogers and Logan Webb were going in the six hundreds early last year, and those guys got pushed up into like the three hundreds later. So you missed it on those old on those values um, later in draft season. But I think the biggest thing is just better players draft early. I think you got the same usual suspects here, like you see like every league has like brian slack in it and, and like whoever else like you, you um like i don't know whatever like a lot of like all these players are good players that are drafting now.
1: Did, you, did you jump in the one you did never mind you did that one you just jumped into last night my god mm-hmm. that that's like a main event lineup <laughs> that was well, a, that was pretty wild Lind, Lind,
2: lindy hinkleman's in that one
1: yep Right, Vlad Settler, isn't he in that one? No, no, Vlad's nope. not. No, Vlad's not
2: in that. League.
1: Not in that one, but yeah, you have. There's a list. There's a list of people in that league. That's for sure. Um, Kev, Kev's White. in that league. Kev, Roto, Roto yeah. Surgeon. Surgeon for L- Hot legend. Take Surgeon is in that
2: league. I think that's who. I think that's who you're mixing up Vlad with.
1: Yeah, that's what i was saying. Kev, Kev's a Kev's a carry. He's a good dude. I giving him a hard time, but he's a fun one because he's gonna let you know when he's right. So just remember that when he gets something in that draft, it's yours. But uh yeah, you have a lot of fun in that in, in that draft room, that's for sure. Let's take a quick break here from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about Fantrax, everybody. Fantrax.com. It is a great play to, place to play fantasy sports, especially fantasy baseball with the 2022 Fantasy baseball season live and happening as we have entered the 2022 year calendar year. It is January. So go to fantrax.com to create your fantasy baseball teams. You can do best balls, draft and hold season longs, best dynasty platform. You can find with the deepest player pool. If they don't exist, let them know if there's a guy from Korea, Japan, wherever, let them know. They will make it happen for you. Customizable. Anything you want. They have the different ways to enter your money. They can hold your money for you. Uh, if, if your league has fees all kinds of great stuff at Fantrax.com. I run Draft and holds and Best Ball Leagues. If you're interested in those, check out my Twitter feed. I got you covered there. And if you're new to Fantrax, it's really, really cool. Go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba to let them know I sent you, and they will set you up. You can bring your whole setup from another site, let them know, boom, they'll make it happen for you over at Fantrax.com. But it gets even better. You know, Fernando Tatis Jr., Great ball player, nearly an MVP. If you like Fernando Tatis Jr. and you're new to Fantrax, go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba. Use promo code Tatis T A T I S to have a chance to win a free autograph Fernando Tatis baseball. So go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba. Get the season started for you in a big, big way over at Fantrax, drafting and rocking and rolling. And for now, back to bench with Bubba. Couple strategies that uh, you, you maybe have picked up on. We'll start with we, you kind of hinted that earlier. It's a topic I think I've talked about on every show and everybody else has because it's fun getting different people's opinion, especially someone like yourself who's done so many drafts and have seen the the mess of it all. Relief pitchers, and it's like I said, it's a a hot topic right now. People are saying you shouldn't, you know, why are they getting pushed up? Blah blah blah. But with no fab, you kind of need it. That's kind of the way it goes here. So and it goes so fast. If you're not on the aggressive side, your bench is loaded with what ifs is the way I say it. And it could work, but I kind of personally like a little bit more stability in my life once in a while because everything else is a mess, so why screw up right out the gate? Who knows? How are you approaching it in these drafts when it comes to relief pitching?
2: Um, I I want an early reliever. I want early reliever bracket S bracket other bracket. So really one or two, um, depending on how things go. Um, I looked at – I was trying to figure out why I did so bad in these DCs last year. And um, I think one of the things I found was I didn't draft relief pitchers. I just got kind of cocky with it. Um, I think I did 16 of them last year and I drafted a relief pitcher before the ninth round twice. So I think I had like Edwin Diaz and like in two drafts. And then all my other drafts were like Richard Rodriguez, trying to like bundle up all the Reds closers. Like I had Anton and Garrett and Sims everywhere. I'm like, okay, as long as I have all three of them, I'm good. Guess what? No, not good. Um, So that was a huge area for me um, that I struggled with in in the dcs um because there was no fab uh, so now i'm making a little bit more of an effort of getting that early closer and i'm it's something that it's, I'm, I'm really focusing on and you've you heard john fish say that um uh, he, he wants his aces and bases yep. i want i'm abc i want my aces bases and closers yep. um, in the first four rounds so i'm aiming for i'm aiming for 30 saves 30 bags 30 wins in the first four rounds you can't get there with all. You can't get to thirty with all of them, but I want to get to thirty for at least on at least two of those categories and get, at least get halfway there. If I'm saying only going to get one starting pitcher, I'll get 15 wins. I, I was won- about
1: to say you'd have to go two yeah. starting pitchers with your closer plus your bags if if you're on the top end yeah. of the draft. That's very feasible.
2: You could do it. You could get 30 of each um, in the top end, but I think near the back is almost impossible. So you won't always yeah. be able to do that. But that's really your. That's really what I'm aiming for, and that's really what I'm trying to um strive towards whether or not i i succeed or not in those uh first four rounds that's why i guys like, like aaron judge i'm out on yeah
1: um i like that idea though it makes a lot of sense because if you have that quote unquote floor after round four you have a lot more options throughout your draft you're not at the mercy of i gotta chase this i gotta chase that whatever um, that's why you kind of said well aaron judge kind of doesn't you know check the box but then again if he falls around five, which he won't, but it allows, like, yeah. you can go for power there and get that after you lock in your 30, 30, 30, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I like, that's actually a, a nice little base to have there, especially with uh, the closer situation. So you're going after the Hendrix of the world, the haters, maybe the Iglesias is mm-hmm. those guys. And I don't blame you at all. It's I uh, i I I'd love to Where's kind of, I guess, where's your cutoff of, I got to have one of these dudes.
2: Um, probably Chapman okay. like I can wait I can wait till Chapman I think um I have um now I'm starting to get a little bit more antsy and trying to get a try, trying to get in a bit earlier but I think I'd say a this Chapman would be my cut off there's certain guys that like that I maybe don't want that other people will in that range like I don't want um Romano um yeah. just because of the uncertainty with him right now in my opinion but um, that's the one thing about drafting in the back end of the draft that's good. Is it's sort of like a sweet spot for those closers, like those those decent closers. That's the one good thing about having like a uh, pick twelve to fifteen. Is like you can get one of those closers for sure.
1: Yeah, at worst you should land on like an Iglesias or Presley Diaz or something. So definitely, yeah. I've seen
2: I've seen it get pushed where like you have to get Presley, but um, there's been some crazy like for like those four honeys. There's been some crazy ones I've seen uh, people show me boards for. And it gets crazy. But yeah, you're right. It's yeah. You should get one of those guys there yeah, on is, paper. Yeah. yeah
1: but that, yeah. that's right. That's where I hate being in the middle though. Cause like you're sitting there looking at, okay, there's like these four closers left. So I can go get this guy and then I can get one of those four when it comes back and they're all gone. It's just like, so then it's like, well, I'm not going to force my hand to go take Jordan Romano. Now I'll try for him or someone else later and get, and then that guy's, those are all gone. It's the, it's a mess in the middle for me, at least personally, I've, feel like i've made it work okay but it's not an easy feeling as we talked about but um yeah i'm with you i try to get at least one of those. i have a lot of edwin diaz and it's a guy i usually yeah. don't i usually don't get a lot of but he's it's stable like it, it, it's what he does and the way I, it might be even better this year if scherzer can stay healthy which is an if i don't have a lot of faith in the but maybe miracles happen i don't know but um they should win a handful of ball games which gives him a good safe situation so i, I mm-hmm. think he's in play for sure We'll see. How do you go about drafting these injured guys? I know I've I've heard your opinions, but how do you go about the the Degroms of the world and all these other guys that we know, if healthy, are elite. But that's a gigantic if right now.
2: Yeah, I don't consider Degrom healthy right now. Like I, yeah, it's one thing it's about it's, it's it's one thing with somebody being injury prone. Like mm-hmm. um, I don't know Byron Boxton. Yeah, like he's not injured as far as I'm concerned right now. Um, Degrom right now is injured, so I, I'm staying away from Degrom. Dugger will be on zero by teams. Kershaw, Kershaw, um, Syndergaard, um, uh, those those guys probably won't be on my team. Rodon's a tough one. I haven't got a lot of him, but that's, that's he, it's it's so tempting. But um, he sort of he sort of gives me that same Lamette five as last year. Like all the smart guys are like, there's so many smart drafters and everyone's staying away from. Him. So, yeah. um, and it was sort of the same thing with Lamette last year.
1: 100 percent. yeah rodon's a guy that i just can't bring myself to uh pull the trigger on at all i've, I've stared at him like it, it's if, if you know people have a quote-unquote brand like these are your guys i've always been anti-blake snell but where he's going now i'd go blake snell over rodon like i'm willing to go that route which i think says oh, a lot to okay day. Okay,
2: okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: and it's it's one of the things i've tried to preach a lot this off season and i'm trying to do in my own like fantasy baseball research and everything is you have to be willing to change your mindset on players from year to year like. They make Mm -hmm. adjustments in their game. We got to make adjustments in ours. So just because I didn't like Snell, but you got to look at what he did last year and the changes he made as the season went on, you carry that over. You might get you know closer to the Cy Young Snell than the Home Run Derby pitching Snell. So you (laughs) might get like different things there. You never know. And his draft price isn't astronomical this year, which is a beautiful thing. So you got that going for you. Speaking of starting pitchers, you mentioned you've gone pocket aces a couple times. You've gone like hitting early. We kind of. I think both like the idea of hitting early a little more potentially, but if you're going with your 30 win philosophy, you're getting at least one early. How are you mm-hmm. approaching starting pitching as a whole? Like, are you are you looking to lock in one of the top five or six, or you just want like a couple workhorses type thing?
2: Um, I'm trying different things. I'm, I'm, I am think um, I'm getting I'm getting a lot of um, if I'm, tra- I'm drafting from the back, like eight eight or in the middle to the back. I'm getting. A lot of times, I'm going pocket aces in that scenario, getting a lot of Cole, Burns, Wheeler, Woodruff, those guys uh, for in that in that area. Some, I think, I've got one Bueller, um, and then in that case, you really have to force yourself to not take pitching for a while. Um, I think because there is like I think, like you said, it's so deep. You got guys like in the six, seven range, and like the, even the the nine, ten range that are really there's some really good pitchers that you, that you can really, that sometimes fall like way further than they they should just because there's a lot of them. So, um, I think, um, I think pitching is like the way it stands right now is not as, um, pushed up as it, I don't think it's going to get pushed up as it, as it did last year, the same way as I said, hitting is a little bit shallow right now, but all that can change when, when pitchers get injured and players, offensive players sign and you know where they're going and the landscape will change a little bit, but I think pitching, yeah, you can wait a little bit more than usual this year, but, um, it's tough. It's, 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 t- it's, it's, it's really, it's really a, a balancing act and it's uh, every draft is different.
1: It's a balancing act and it's an act of, um, I guess, staying true to your, your, your form, because like you said, is you'll take those guys early and then you got, you tell yourself, okay, I got to get bats because that's going to dry up and you're doing your thing. And then these pitchers are still sitting here and you're just like, how do I pass I on this? Uh, because that's what I did. And we haven't continued on from our F pass draft that we did like right after, like the playoffs were still going on. And I remember yeah. drafting going, how is this starting? Like, I'm taking – I have so many starting pitchers. Like, I'm so <laughs> screwed in that league probably. Just like you – going. Know, just in my head right now, we did, I think, 23 rounds, 25 rounds. I probably have like 10 starting pitchers. That tells but you exactly you're not, not screwed. Screwed.
2: you're not screwed. Because I'm not draft, screwed because it was yeah, so be, it was awesome. There's no money in the draft, right? It doesn't really
1: matter. Fair enough. Fair enough. There is no money. That's <laughs> you're true. Not, you're, not sc- you're not screwed. It's just fine. But it, it was a great exercise to know exactly like, hey – this just got interesting because I could probably do things differently is what it comes down to. And my closer situation is a disaster because that stuff, gone. So well, yeah, a lot you of learning. G- Giovanni
2: Gallegos went in the third round. That's
1: why. Yes, Paul Sporer. <laughs> I gave It was so much fun drafting with Paul four And then later that night, walking into the live sleeper in the bus thing, after I've had a few cocktails, um, talking about Gallegos and Austin Meadows in like round eight or nine or something. It was so much fun um, talking to Paul Sporer about that. But uh, he took it like a champ, as Paul Sporer would do. You mentioned um, the corner infield as a position that kind of gets to you. I heard you talking about in your mm-hmm. recent podcast with John L. Big John Stud about corner infield. Um, mm-hmm. Is that your? Is that the biggest position you're really concerned with right now, or, or are there other positions outside of closers, obviously, that um, is a position that you're focusing on getting early?
2: No, that's the biggest one, and um, for sure, corner. I think um, everyone's saying third base, but I, I'm finding first base is also kind of iffy. Um, like, I think the it's not that. So people think that people. Well, let me let me backtrack. People are saying that J Ram could be the one point one overall because the third base is so slim. I don't really feel that way. I think that Ramirez is good. He's a top five pick, but like to push him like over other players that you think are better just for the position. I think you're doing it for the stolen bases at third base, which is the reason, not because the rest of the third base is that bad. Because it gets bad to a point, but after J Ram, you still have like. I don't know, six, seven, I don't even know. I'm not counting the good guys. You just got to get them at some point um, where then you're, you'll be passing on guys in the sixth and seventh round instead of a better player in the first round. So I'd rather just have the better player in the first round. Um, not to say I haven't taken j early because I'll mix it up there. But um, I think at a point like where we are in our draft right now, and I just I just, I just picked, um, and I've been struggling to – like it just drops off at around round, around 15 – both third base and first base, just like it's not that they're bad players, it's just like you don't know, you're not really, you don't really know what you're getting with them. Like, Brandon Bell, is he going to be platoon? Josh Donaldson, is he going to get hurt? Frank Schwindel, is that guy like for real? Like, he seems like he is, but um, I don't know. And then, like, even Spencer Torkelson went in round 16, don't know when he's going to be up. Uh, Bobby Delbach, he, he like he didn't have a full time job, and he's good. Um, Zach just mentioned and,
1: all my first basemen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. It's it's
2: it's rough. Yeah, no. I was I was pissed when you took the guy in round 16. I still got I still got I still got the guy that I, that I, I still got a guy that I kind of like too. But yeah, I'm like, oh, you're going that early, eh? Because you were messaging me last night, and like we we're talking which guy did, which team. guy
1: did I taken 16. Nate low Oh yeah, I and okay. <laughs> this is how fun it is because we've done we probably research as much as many people. Obviously, some people do more than us, but um I literally had on a piece of paper in my office at like a little late last night before I made that pick I wrote down Brandon belt Nate low I and sure Schindel. Down. I wrote all four of them down and I just kept going back and forth on fangrass pages and just like going through the motions but then I looked at my team the only reason I I finalized on low is a out of all those guys I'm confident barring an injury he's playing all season at first base for the Rangers they have no reason not to B, I like the fact – I think he's the biggest benefactor of Simeon and Seeger coming there because that's RBI potentials for him. And last but not least, out of all four of those guys, he could potentially maybe steal 10-plus bases. Maybe. Like, he'll he'll definitely steal more than the rest of them, even if it's eight. And my team needed really? steals because of other things I'd done. I told you I'm way off the board on this draft compared to usual. So, um, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, corner infield. Yeah, I usually go first base early and having to stare at those four for a long time will remind me again to go first base early. As you mentioned, it's 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 not pretty for sure. Um but I do like the comments you made about third base. It's deeper than people give it credit for, but it like I call it murky water, so like you said you have to know when to go get them. That's yeah. the difference. That's the position. So, it's Yeah, you sure. you,
2: you can you can um you can um play chicken, but then you could get really you can get bitten there if you if you if you, if you, if you um walk the tight rope and fall off.
1: Yeah you'll, you'll you'll have to make sure you go like a round or two early. That's for darn sure. Um are there any positions outside of we said starting pitching that seems kind of deeper than usual?
2: I think out, I think outfield's kind of deeper. I think I think outfield is deeper than people give it credit for. I think there's some, some good guys. Outfield and middle infield um basically you could be getting guys because you I think you're always chasing steals in these drafts. Um, I, I feel because I'm always chasing steals because I'm, I'm not drafting like those rapids uh, in the early rounds. So I'm, all, I'm always needing steals later. Um, and I feel like there, there are those guys that like the guy that I just took, I'm um, not going to mention him, but like it can chip you, chip you in for 10 uh, stolen bases um, later in the draft. You got some middle infielders like Colton Wong, um, just like guys you can get post 200 in, in the middle, in the outfield that can get, they can chip in there. Whereas corners, it's just like not only are you getting guys that are that have those questions that we brief that, that we previously mentioned, but they're also not getting you any any of those scarce categories. True.
1: Yeah, no, that makes things tricky. I don't know if you want to mention these guys, but I figure I'll ask you anyways. True. Who are some who are some of the names that you seem to have on a lot of your teams?
2: Okay. Um so I have I have nine players that are on over fifty percent of my teams. Okay. Three of them are going within like between pick 150 and 250. So I've no one – like I haven't loaded up on a lot of super early guys. But um, you got to play – you got you to get in these drops to see. But I'll, t- I'll give you one guy. I have 64% of Brad Boxborough Okay.
1: I like so that. I have, I, have you... 16,
2: I have 16 shares of Brad Boxborough. So he's like a sort understand. of like a blue blue chip stock I'm hoping hits.
1: Yeah, that's one that if he slides into the closing role, we've seen him do it before. So it's definitely worth worth a, a shot. I, I can give you that much. Um, who are potentially guys that you don't have much of that you are saying? You know, I might need to maybe start looking at going farther down the road.
2: Um, just guys like in, like after like my ABC like or like like the first four rounds, the ABC for the ABC rounds. Like after then, just guys that like I'm okay on like passing on. It's sort of like the Cooper Cup fallacy. The Cooper yeah. Cup fa- fallacy in football. I'm like, oh, I'm okay on passing on him. Uh, no, you're not. Um, <laughs> um, so guys like Matt Olson, Joe Musgrove, Freed, Lynn, just guys I haven't gotten nothing wrong with them. It's just like maybe I need to diversify my portfolio to those guys because they're just guys like maybe I'm just like hyper focused on other players like that. Those ten other players, but I should really like look at them. Like not only is there nothing wrong with these players, but these players could be very, very good. And uh, I don't know. There's just, sometimes you just don't. It's sort of like a blind spot.
1: I'm with you. Musgrove is one for me, for sure. That's the name that you mentioned there that um, I know I've passed on many times. I just put a poll out there with four different guys close to ADPs, and he finished very high, and a lot of the comments mm-hmm. loved Musgrove. And I'm like, sitting there just going, I have none. Like, what am I missing in this boat here that, that doesn't? You look at his profile, it kind of makes sense. So I, I, I get that one uh, for sure as, as an option for uh, Musgrove. Let's hit up some uh, listener questions as we have some fun ones here. And you got some good data on on some of these as well. But we'll start with Cujo, Mr. Cutline himself. Very, very strong Cutline player. Um, Do you have any favorite late starting pitchers? I know Zach is going deep for these DCs, and he's been in enough of them that his targets can't be that secret anymore. Uh, Looking for the late volume and Cutline drafts, late gems like Webb, Rogers that last year killed it. Thanks, gents.
2: Well, if they're not that secret, then why are you asking? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Got to get in these drafts, Cujo.
1: I know one guy. I know one guy. I've taken a lot of late. Is um, Brady Singer? I'm just a believer in the strikeout profile. Could be totally wrong. I know some people hate him. But uh, I like him. It's
2: just a, in, he, he ended injured, so I'm sort of like a little bit scared about that.
1: There's a bunch of those ended injured guys in the around that same area of the draft. I'm just like, <sighs> it, was, an, so this,
2: like an, it was an arm too. Like I don't, yeah. I don't mind it's other injuries. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I like I Singer. I liked him last year a lot. But um, he's, I think if he's healthy, I think he's a great price.
1: Yeah, I think he's a big-time price if he's healthy. I know Johnny L mentioned a lot of uh, a lot of the Royals guys. It seems like a yearly tradition with the Royals. It's an ugly team, mm-hmm. but they always have a bunch of late-round options, like them, the Twins. I'm not on a lot of the Twins guys, that's for sure. But um, there, there's there's a handful of guys, especially um, the Royals stands out to me. I'm trying to think of teams off the top of my head. The Marlins have a lot of youngsters that don't have solid spots in the rotation. But there's like four guys you could see making maybe like 10 starts each, which could be interesting, yep. super well, late. Like in Meyer,
2: race. Meyer and um, Ed, um, Edwards.
1: Edwards. Um, um, yeah, there's a few of them Ed, back Ed, there. Ed, sorry,
2: Edward, Edward, Edward Cabrera. Cabrera.
1: And um yeah, they have a couple that are, are quite intriguing as well. Barring and they might trade guys to open up spots for them because that's what they mm-hmm. do. So and then the Cubs, the Cubs have a few as well to because uh, they have a mess going on there. So bad bad teams have late yeah. starting pitching options. It's Pittsburgh so, too. Pittsburgh, the one that I've slowly started um gaining interest in. But I like guys that strike guys out. But I guess the later in the draft, you can't be too picky. It's more give me innings and see what happens. Uh, Josh Rogers of the Nationals is going late, and he's actually projected to be in the rotation to start the year.
0: So, Somebody was
2: mentioning that to me recently as well.
1: And he's going super late. So keep that one in mind, I guess, if you want to go there. The beauty of cut lines, though, is he gets like waiver periods so he can fix his problems. Um, Jake, the Dustmite asks, how many rounds are you okay pushing up a player based on quality of cameo performance?
2: Um, three. So now nah, I would awesome. draft Miles Straw in the in the um, fourth round.
1: Well, he would fill fill your B column for you, so you're good there. You, yep. Your A, B, C. He definitely would fill that for you, so you can go pocket aces, get Liam Mendricks, and then Miles Straw in round four, and you got your A, B, C covered. You're good.
2: Exactly. You're, yeah. You're exactly right. And then, especially because I don't consider any other categories for uh, offense. Then really, who cares?
1: <laughs> you're golden. Go Since you do a lot of drafts and holds, you likely have exposure to some early-round players with injury risk. In order to diversify, what's the highest percentage of exposure you're okay with in a top seventy-five player?
2: Um, probably forty percent. Yeah.
1: Well, it's because something you mentioned is where you're like your heavy wheelhouse of players. You have a lot of like one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty. It's because you can kind of lock into your players later in drafts and be okay with missing. I guess you're never okay with missing. That's the wrong word, but you're okay. Kind of slipping up more than early on. It could really sting.
2: I'm time. looking at my player share page right now. I'm going down to see if I could the, the earliest 36% is the earliest. I see that a player the top, this guy's like his ADP is like seven, three, three
1: three Okay. Yeah. So you, you definitely do it later in the draft. makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, Run DM, DMCD, Mr. Dave McDonald, says, long-time listener, first-time caller, you've really taken your troll game to a new level this year. What or who was your inspiration? Do you change your approach at all come into the year? If trolling were a pitch mix, what would your percentages be? I'll hang up and listen.
2: Oh, yeah, I saw this question. I forgot to prepare for it. Um, who's my inspiration? Um, I don't know. Um, I think I'm just – I'm my own person. I don't, I'm not inspired by anyone. I'm inspired by, I'm inspired by life, Dave, you know, um, <laughs> uh, I'm just, uh, I living, it. living every day at a time and, um, taking one day at a time and just, uh, you know, happy, happy to be in the baseball community and, um, you know, just love everyone. I love it.
1: I love it. Um, the next question we got here is Phil Duseau, the robot says, is Jack in the Box still your favorite burger spot to close out a late night?
2: See, he knows me. He's talking about one of my most known players.
1: <laughs> and is San Diego your favorite location?
2: No, I think maybe he goes to Miami. Um, he's talking. He's talking about Brad Boxburger. Yeah. But since I've been getting, I've been, I'm kind of sick of Jack in the Box. I've been getting I've been eating that so often. I'm, I've been uh, trying to diversify and uh, got some shrimp tapera in my uh, diet. You know what
1: I mean? I know exactly who you're talking about. So people just (laughs) listen closely to what he just said. Um, Less than Dave has another question for you. Over, under, on 100 leagues in 2022, you said under already. But will John Fish be in more or less than 20 of those with you?
2: God, I hope under. I hope under.
1: Yeah. At first, I was in every league with him. Now I'm in, like, every league with you. It's one of the two of you in every single one. It's like – enough already <laughs> if you, <laughs> if if you, you should, guys if you guys ever just compared your notes your your little portfolio you have would have the most in- ridiculous data on the face of the planet on how people draft something to think about yeah, that's, to do it. Uh,
2: that's an idea you got there buddy. Bubba.
1: yeah um, mike carter the doc asks what are you recommending at this time for closer strategy and FPCs? i think you kind of already hit on that one
2: um, yeah i want i want one or two um early closers for sure based on
1: like how bad that went last year. Yep. And then Aaron at Fantasy T-Ball has a good question. He's been he, – he's a new listener uh, this year, I believe. He's been uh, asking questions a lot because he's trying to get into the NFBC format. So he's been asking questions to get his toes in the water. Um he says, if you are looking to compete in an individual draft champions and not worried about the overalls, so he just wants to win his league, doesn't care about the whole <laughs> cha-cha. Uh, what's a good number of stolen bases, strikeouts, and saves to target? I've never participated in a DC, but trying to learn. Thank you.
2: Okay, so he's only looking for stolen bases, strikeouts, and saves.
1: Yeah, what's your targets on those? Because uh, at least well, I know we've talked about saves and stolen bases. As, like, you have two of your three of your ABCs. I, so. I can give,
2: I can give all, I can give all the categories. So I looked at that question. I did a little bit of research. Um, I have all the, I have all the DC data in Excel um, to do different stuff with it. But so there's 303 DCs done last year, and the average number of standing game points to win up the league was 118.55. So that would be like the win, like the average winner scored 118.55. So you need to get on average 11.85 points per category. So approximately 12, 12 out of 15, that's 80%. That's how you get, that's how people get to that 80th percentile. Now you'll see people post this and like the percentiles using how they get to the 80th percentile, those numbers. Like I've seen Brian Rudd post that. And if you search him in the percentiles, you'll find what he posted. Um, but he's using all 4,545 teams which is 303 times 15 Um, and he's just and he's just taking the percentile like just using a percentile function in Excel to get that and that gets you um, I'm not going to go through it but it's going to get you well I'll I'll tell you this that will get you 67 saves 119 stolen bases and um, 1369 strikeouts but so that's what you'll find normally but what I did was I, I compiled all the data in Excel and I did a pivot table um, by the league by the league rank so the first place teams with the associated standing gains points for um, getting 12 standing gains points in each category so it's going to give you a little bit of different going to give you a little bit of a different answer um, and if you read, if you read the process by tanner bell and zimmerman they talk about using a uh, the slope function to calculate the sgp factor that's because teams that score like at the top the, the 15 points 15 standing gains points for those categories are usually an outlier so the slope will sort of go like, like that and then up near the end. Um, so that's probably, it's like, it's a big, it's a big step up at the end because they've overshot that category to win typically. So if you look at the average, uh, like the 12 standing game point team for each category, so not the 80th percentile, but the average it took to get to 12 standing games point, it's, it's a little bit different. So it's a little bit more conservative because that higher slope is going to, it's going to give you a little bit of a higher number you need to shoot for. So it's actually letting you be conservative and you actually don't need quite that much. So the, using that theory, the, the number the, the numbers you get for runs is 1,053, uh, so 1,053, 307 home runs, 1,010 RBI, so 1,010, 0, 0, 160 in stolen bases rather than 119, a 261 average, um, 86 wins, 66 saves instead of 67, uh, 3.66 ERA, 1.17 WHIP. And 1,356 strikeouts, so a little bit less. Now I know if I'm, I, know, I know this is going on a bit longer, but no, he's talking about.
1: It. I, I like this. It even makes sense to me, which is never an easy thing. So this is good.
2: So I went a step further because he's talking about a standalone. League. I want to help this guy. I know. I know Aaron. We've, we've talked as well. So I want to answer his question. And um, oftentimes people talk about punting saves, and saves are a big category. So now let's say let's say you did want to punt saves in a standalone league. Take that 118.5 standing gain to points, which it takes to win that league. Subtract the one point you're going to get for save because you're going to punt it. That brings you to 117.5 points for the other nine categories. So take 117.5 divided by nine. Now you're going to need 13 standing gains points in each category instead of 12. So basically you need an extra point in each category if you're going to punt saves. Um, maybe a little bit more. Um, or that works out to the 87th percentile. So I have these numbers based on the, this more specific calculation. So if you wanted to punt saves, you will need 170, uh, well, sorry, 1,074 runs, which is 19 more than you would otherwise. 318 home runs, that's plus 11. 1,030 RBIs, that's plus 20 more RBIs. 123 stolen bases, which is plus 7. And a 263 average, which is plus 2 points. You need 89 wins, which is 3 more than the 86 um 71 saves which is five more um a 3.58 era which is quite a bit lower than the uh 3.66 and then you need uh one notch lower of the whip which is 1.16 and then 1,389 strikeouts if you're going to punt saves and that's plus 33 which might be the difference between the strikeouts Aaron Nola would give you in in the second third round and Jack Flaherty in like the fifth or sixth round so that would make sense because if you're going to forego Hendricks and punt saves, you can get Nola instead of Flaherty.
1: It, what's really interesting too is you could do, say, so say you're a guy that goes, say, two closers in the first seven or eight rounds, per se. The bat and the starting pitcher you might take instead of those two closers could cover both of those things, like you said, especially that bat. If, you take a bat. if you take a bat early, if he has to do like seven steals and 11 homers, and if the guy's hitting 11 more homers, he's probably covering the runs and RBIs you need, hopefully. Um, that's interesting. I never even thought of that. Because, say you say you are someone that just comes in, and you're like, okay, the overall you know check would be awesome, no doubt about it, be f- pretty freaking mm-hmm. sweet. But if I'm playing 150 to get in, I just want to win my league, get a, get over a grand, and, and win my league.
2: It's an interesting philosophy.
1: That's what it's a lot of a very do Interesting
2: the, philosophy. In the four honeys, that's what they. That's what some people might do because the 150s a lot of your prize, a lot of your money that you buy in yeah. with goes to the overall, but if you're doing the 400s, not as much, a lot of that, most of your money goes to that league prize in the NFBC, in Greg, in Greg and in Derek's pockets, I'm just joking. Um, but um, very little of it goes to the overall. Um, so I've seen, I've, only one person, I've looked at these DCs last year, Tyler John, he's a very good player and he's, he's placed very high. He I, He's the only guy that I saw that I think it appears purposely punted saves in some in in some of those. So he did try that in that strategy. And in fact, his best team he had like fifty or forty DCs that he did entered last year. His best team, I think he finished like twenty third overall. Um, had no saves, zero. So, um, and if he if he actually if he had the saves, if he had, if he had the eightieth or ninetieth percent of sales, he saves he would have won the he would have won the overall. Hmm.
1: That's it's a it's an interesting way to approach it. I'm glad Aaron brought that question up. And I'm glad you got that data there because even myself, who was feeling pretty crappy about my draft right now because of trying to figure it all out, I'll take the the, the winning the league part just to make me feel better. But I'm not saying I'm going to, but now I don't have to feel like I have to push so much in certain things. It's one of those deals like if you if you're drafting and you kind of miss out on where you want to go type deal, you can still navigate the the draft enough to have a very competitive team that could run hot type thing. So that's a very interesting uh, set of numbers you threw out there for sure. It's very, very mm-hmm. I'm, I'm intrigued by that. Very, very intrigued by that. Um, last question we have for us today is from Robbie Lester, the Canadian Toby. If anybody's curious, <laughs> what is the? And I swore that was a Photoshop. Is that an we'll actual, picture. actual picture? That's what's. I think Dave McDonald has his actual picture. I swear to God, that was my co-host. I thought it was a
2: Photoshop. Like it looked, you know, like the um, Family Guy, like those like bodybuilders that like go on the unicycle. It looks like a mix of Toby in that sense.
1: Yeah, it's it's impressive. Um, What is the likelihood that Toronto starts the season with the combo of Espinal and Smith as their primary third baseman?
2: Um, I I would be guessing, but I think I think. It's, there's a real, very real possibility that uh, Espinal was good down the stretch. Um, he had over 300, but I think he had a high Babbitt. um Toronto seems willing to to spend to spend some money or do some trades. So, if I had to put a number on it, like I think those two guys, like in a share of third base, 35% chance that happens. Um, I don't know. Hopefully, they, hopefully they get Jose Ramirez.
1: That would be fun if they got Jose Ramirez. My goodness, that'd be wild. To, uh, to yeah. see have to see that team play out because you know everyone's already talked about. It. You look like the Rasball Player Raider from last year, and every Toronto player was basically felt like they were in a top ten. It was ridiculous how good that offense was. Sure, they lost Simeon, but you know you throw Jose Ramirez, I'll take that trade. Go throw him out there, no problem with that at all. So
2: that'd be. We might be in another lockdown soon. Here, we actually already are. Yeah. Um, we're already, already, already locked down again, so maybe they're going to ship Toronto back to um, those small minor league ballparks. old
1: Dunedin? Good. good old Dunedin, yeah. Banbox and Dunedin. As of now, like, you,
2: can't, you can't even go, like the Raptors and Leafs, you can't even go to games, and it's gone. Like there's I, no I,
1: legit, I legit thought about that the other night when they I saw the Ontario lockdowns and everything. I was like, yeah. well, we might get Toronto back on the road again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just got really, like I'm drafting thinking they're going to be in Toronto, uh, and all of a sudden it's
2: like, hmm, this might change. I, I doubt it, but maybe... I never know. i think
1: yeah i doubt it too i think we'll see i don't want to get in that yeah. whole freaking dilemma but hope, you'd hope i hope not. God, that
2: changes yeah yeah that's even what's if what's i cool. do have some even if i do have a lot of shares of toronto blue Jays, i still it's not i still want the my life to be back to normal yes <laughs> rather exactly. than my fantasy yeah, that, that's, back. that's
1: what i'm thinking it's like let's just hope that they're in toronto because that means good things are still happening about that point in time so, yeah <laughs> but let's go that direction for sure but we're going to wrap it up there, Mr. Zach Waxman. Um, go ahead and plug your podcast and whatever else you would like to plug here before we, uh, we wrap this bad boy
2: up. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter, just uh, whatever, being just a good guy on Twitter. And I'm um, my to my podcast. It's actually – we're hitting my stride on the podcast here. It's yeah. actually – I think I'm getting the hang of this podcasting thing. Um, just, um, you know what, like any – like there, there's nothing stopping you from um, – I'm going to plug podcasting in general. There's nothing stopping anyone from starting a podcast. Um, uh, like I'm just a guy that plays fantasy baseball I don't know and um, don't if people say there's um, any anything in your way be it gates or anything like that it's just a myth there's no there's nothing you can just you can you can do whatever you want
1: yep it's a it's a free country we're all welcoming Mm -hmm. so come on down Um, and and if you want to listen to Zach's podcast every once in a while he has his drunk uncle on there it's a lot of fun so go Mm -hmm. check that out Um, that's for you godfather but um, yeah, but I have to ask you this because I don't think he'll listen to the show, and if he does, I don't think he'll make it this far. He'll fall asleep. But um, did you see his Twitter post about how he's been working out with the guy from Run DMC for years, and he just not figured out who he was?
2: I saw that, but I didn't understand it.
1: Well, that's fair that's enough. Sure I um, lost yeah, so basically yeah that's one of the two main guys run dmc and he's worked out with him forever but he didn't realize that's who it was i'm just like goodness gracious man (laughs) (laughs) but and i hope he knows i'm just messing with him so have fun with that as well but uh we'll wrap it up there make sure you follow zach on twitter at miles straw mvp how long is the the title staying for i
2: don't know we'll see we'll see until he until he wins the mvp
1: okay well this might be for a while then but uh at miles (laughs) Straw mvp the draft champions podcast zach waxman everybody thanks for joining me my friend thanks All right, Bench with Bubba, episode 427 in the books. Catch you guys later.